Welcome to the Daring DVM podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, coaching, and your doctor brain to rewire your mind and get what you want in life. I am your host, Dr. Amy Grimm, veterinary life coach, life work alignment pro, and UC Davis vet school grad. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode number 14 of the Daring DVM podcast. As always, it's a pleasure being here with you. I love sharing everything and anything life coaching so that veterinarians like you, who are feeling stuck in your lives and your careers, just like I was not too long ago, can also learn how to get yourselves unstuck and create and cultivate the lives that you are just longing to live. If you haven't already, please, please, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It shows that this information is valuable to you and helpful to you, and it helps me to reach more people and to help them get unstuck in their lives as well. Win, win. Also, come follow me and chat with me on Instagram at DaringDVM. I love hearing from you, and I love talking about topics that you actually want to hear about. So come tell me about them. Okay, so today I am excited to discuss the three stages of changing your brain. Fuck yeah, neuroplasticity. Did you know that our brains are not even fully developed until after the age of 25? What? That explains so many of my previous poor life choices and dating decisions. I mean, seriously, now that I'm in my 30s, I look at people who are 18 years old and I'm like, yup, brain clearly not developed yet. Let me tell you though, when I was 18, I thought I had it all figured out. Isn't that fascinating? So I'm not judging you if you're younger. I still love you. But just recognize that your brain is still going to settle in with time, and that's okay. And even as adults, our brains still exhibit neuroplasticity. And this is a really exciting field in human med, especially considering that fields like neuroscience and neurobiology are still relatively new compared to some others, and especially when it comes to the study of female brains. Most early studies were conducted with men. It's only more recently that we are discovering nuances within the female brain and how our hormones play a key role. It's actually pretty cool stuff. But before I digress, let's get back to neuroplasticity. Many of you have heard the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or you may believe that as people get older, they get set in their ways. We generally agree and accept that children's brains change and grow and exhibit neuroplasticity, but we don't often think about it that way with adults. And that's a shame, because us older dogs can totally learn new tricks, especially if you're offering me pizza or ice cream as an incentive. I'll learn a shit ton of new things for that. So we go through many different experiences in life, And these can cause our brains to change, sometimes in useful ways, 
and sometimes in ways that can cause problems for us. For example, sometimes we experience trauma, which changes our brain. In fact, the majority of people, almost two-thirds of us, have experienced at least one adverse childhood event. And the more of these you experience as you grow up, the higher risk you are for behavioral, physical, and mental health issues later in life. And traumatic events can occur in adulthood too. And likewise, these events also affect our brains. And sometimes it's not even a trauma. It's just a life event, like getting married, or having children, or graduating vet school, or landing that dream job. The takeaway here is that experiencing things, good or bad, tends to change our brains because our brains memorize experiences, especially if they're emotionally charged in some way. Our brain says to us, remember this, take note. We should seek out more of this type of experience, or we should avoid more of that type of experience in order to survive. So yeah, even as adults, our brains still have neuroplasticity, which is so cool. And what we're going to focus on today is using that neuroplasticity to change your brain intentionally. We do this through thought work, which is a tool we use a lot in coaching. We choose to notice our brain, we observe and notice our thoughts, and then we make changes if we want to. So, let me give you some examples to think about while we're talking through these things. Think of a previous or current relationship. Most of the time, we can realize when we are judging our partner. And we've all been taught that it's not kind to judge. We technically know that judging is detrimental, not just for them, but also for us. But then we're left with this question of, how do I not judge them? Especially when they're doing it wrong, or they're being so fucking irritating. Or how about some work stereotypes? Like judging that annoying client who doesn't follow your recommendations and then calls two days after their appointment to find out why their pet is not feeling any better yet. Or that technician that just can't be bothered to get a TPR or take a fucking history correctly. Or one of my faves is, how many times do I have to legit tell you that we use the word purulent? And then, what about ourselves? What habits or behaviors do you have that you judge yourself on and want to change? Do you feel like an imposter at work? Do you lose your temper quickly? Do you spend too much time doom-scrolling on your phone? Do you want to be more present with your partner or your kids? Do you hate that you say you're going to work out after work, but then find yourself three episodes into the new season of Love is Blind and another pint of ice cream again? We all know that we don't want to judge ourselves, and we don't want to judge others, and that we don't want others judging us. But it's freaking challenging to do so. So, if we really want to change, then it's going to require that we change our brain. This is what I love about coaching. Typically, people don't talk about changing their brain, 
They just talk about changing their actions, which sounds like just don't judge your partner. Be kind to your technician. Don't hate on your client. Just get off the phone. Just try to be a good mom. Make yourself work out. So when someone comes to coaching with one of these problems, it's because they want to change their action. But they don't realize that the reason they are struggling is because they have skipped the part where they first learn to change their brain. When you come to coaching and say, I don't want to judge my partner, my friend, my employee, my boss, whoever, what you are really saying is, I think there's something wrong with them, and I think there's something wrong with me for thinking there is something wrong with them. Okay, great, maybe there is, but where does that leave us? Not a lot of options, because there's a lot of change that needs to happen to fix what is quote-unquote wrong. And this is where coaching offers a totally different perspective, because it's not about changing other people. It's not even about changing yourself. It's about changing your thought processes. This is why the type of coaching we do in Daring DVM is so cool, because it is a form of coaching called causal coaching, where we go right to the root cause, which is your thinking. And that's where we create long-term real change rather than just temporary change that requires us to use willpower and eventually get to a point where we have none left and we don't want to do it anymore. It is so freeing to realize that all you need to do is change your thinking. It is so freeing to realize it is not the other person. It's not your partner or your technician or your client who is causing you grief. It's not your marriage or your family or your job that is causing you grief. It is all of your thoughts and beliefs around the person or the situation. And when you truly start to understand that it is your own thinking that is causing you to feel this way, then there is so much room in which to work and to grow and to improve. Okay, so let's look at these darn stages already. The three stages are 1. The stage of self-awareness 2. The stage of self-judgment and self-acceptance and 3. The stage of self-responsibility. Stage 1 is where we spend a lot of time in the coaching session. This is where we lay out the facts. We don't wallow in the story you've been telling yourself. I always ask my clients to give me specific examples of what happened or what is going on. This helps you create more awareness and make more progress toward a solution. So for example, you come into a coaching session and say that you think one of your assistants is an idiot and is constantly ruining your day. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to give me a really specific example of when you were thinking this way about your assistant. And then we assess. Maybe your assistant said something or did something that you didn't like. So what were you thinking about that and how did that make you feel? And then what did you do? We're just looking at it after the fact. We can't go back in time and change it. 
but it's still really helpful and important that we spend time looking at what you created for yourself in that moment. Now, why is this powerful? Because otherwise we tend to give all our power away to the circumstance. So you tell me, the problem is she doesn't always do the things the way that you want her to, and it's driving you insane because it feels like she just doesn't get it. And you're like, isn't it obvious that when a dog comes in for check ears, you should talk to the client about running a cytology, collect a sample, and maybe even prepare a slide? You know that I'm going to recommend cytology. So when I go into the room after you've taken the history, the client shouldn't be surprised that I want to run a cytology. And if you had already discussed this with them and gotten approval to collect a sample, I could have even looked at it before even going into the room, which would probably cut down on our appointment time and keep us on track so that we can all just go home on time at the end of the day. This damn assistant knows how I like things done, and yet she didn't do it at all. And depending on where you are in your coaching journey, we may spend all of our time here in stage one. If you're becoming more self-aware and you're actually feeling bad that you snapped at her for not getting a slide started, then we are moving into stage two. This is where you can see that maybe she was being pulled in multiple directions and she was trying as best as she could to manage the appointments. You maybe feel a teensy bit guilty because, yeah, she did get the blood work started on that other pet, but at the same time, she could have been more efficient or have run the ear appointment better. So, when we look at the facts of what happened, we will learn that there really wasn't anything your tech did or didn't do that caused you to feel frustrated or annoyed in that moment. It was all in your thoughts. It was the expectation you had of her or what you thought she was going to do or should do that is causing you to feel negatively toward her. When you can start to see this, this is when we finally have some leverage over it. This is stage one. For those of you who are new to coaching, I know that you're struggling to wrap your brain around this right now. I see you arguing and resisting this idea. You still believe it is the assistant. And that's okay. I have totally been there too. When you are still at the beginning of stage one, you come in here talking about whatever the circumstance is, whatever happened outside of yourself. He said this, she did that, the client was like this, the schedule was a mess. They are all explanations for things outside of yourself. What we want to practice in coaching is to help you be able to explain clearly what was happening for you internally? What was going on inside? This sounds like, what was I thinking in that moment? How did I feel? How did I show up? Did I change in any way? What was my tone of voice? What did I do or not do? This is the magic of stage one. Learning to focus on yourself and being able to describe your own experience and what you created for yourself in detail. The same amount of detail 
as you want to give me about everything else that happened externally. And what about the example of you wanting to spend less time scrolling through social media? Or working out when you say that you're going to? You can tell me all about your shitty day and what happened and why you want to zone out or what prevented you from doing what you said you were going to do. And then we're going to examine what were you thinking at the time? How did that thought make you feel? And for many of you, this concept is so foreign that you're going to tell me you have no idea what you were thinking at the time. And that's okay, too. If that's the case, we're going to work on awareness and learning to notice your thoughts in the moment. Because the truth is, if you're having trouble putting down your phone, it's because somewhere in the back of your mind, you're having thoughts like, I wonder what's going on on Instagram. I wonder what I missed. I wonder if anybody liked my post. I wonder if anybody messaged me or if there's a comment that's interesting or a funny meme. So you want to just become aware of these thoughts and then become aware of the feelings those thoughts create for you. It could be interest or desire or an urge or some sort of compulsion to get on your phone. That is stage one creating awareness of yourself. Stage two, the stage of self-judgment and self-acceptance, is the stage in which you start to realize it is your own thinking that is creating your current situation. This stage sounds like, I know it's my thoughts, but... Stage two occurs once we've separated the facts from your thoughts. And this is where you can begin to notice what's happening for you. And you're also judging yourself for what you're creating. So you may say to me, well, I know it's my thoughts, but... And what you really mean is you don't completely know that it is your thoughts. You're starting to recognize some of the thoughts that you're having that are causing you pain. But you still kind of think it's the circumstance that is making you feel some kind of way. There's a part of you that still thinks it's true. And then you use that to beat yourself up because you're thinking, well, I know it's my thoughts, but I shouldn't think that way. And that's never true. You're still thinking it because your brain still has good reason for hanging on to it as truth. This is the stage where you start to recognize that you do have leverage over how you're feeling, even though you're still feeling the way that you don't want to feel. It's okay. This is part of the process. You kind of just have to be there. Beating yourself up is not going to get you through stage two any faster. It's only going to keep you stuck and spinning in place because the judgment of yourself is going to stop you from looking internally. It's going to sabotage your self-observation. The more you observe, the more awareness you create. And the majority of work that happens in coaching is creating a deep level of awareness of yourself. The surface level stuff is happening in stage one, where we identify what is a thought, what is a fact, and how your thoughts are impacting your actions. Stage two is really creating the deep belief that everything you create is because of your thinking. And that means everything you experience is optional. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of thoughts available to you. 
and you have the ability to choose them and to redirect your brain in any situation. The other important thing that happens during stage two is you start to figure out what you want to think. What do you want to change about your thinking? What do you want to keep? Because there will be some thoughts that do cause you pain, and maybe you want to keep them anyway. And that's okay. You have to remember that life is 50-50. Going through this process and learning the tools to manage your mind in no way means that you will feel happy all the time. That is not the way life is supposed to be. There will always be negative and positive emotion. However, there are many situations in which we cause ourselves excess pain. Pain that we may not need to feel at all. It's not serving us in any way. And when we allow ourselves to look at other possibilities, other ways of thinking, then we can find a way through it. This is an area where we spend a lot of time in coaching. A lot of the work is just offering your brain different options and getting curious and playing with thoughts and what may work best for you. So in the example where you don't even really know why you're eating ice cream and sitting on the couch watching Netflix when you said you were going to work out, you could start with, I notice I'm doing this again. I notice that I feel tired. I'm curious about whether I notice a true physical tiredness in my body. Or is this just a mental tiredness I'm experiencing? When you start to ask yourself questions like these, it shifts you out of the moment and puts you in a state of curiosity about your brain. What does your brain keep offering you? And notice, you do not have to answer your brain's desire to eat ice cream. You can just notice it. I notice that my brain would like to eat ice cream right now, and that's okay. I don't have to answer it. This is the beginning of how you can start shifting direction and learning to choose different thoughts on purpose. And the same process applies when you catch yourself judging somebody else, like that annoying client who's calling again with another dumb question. You can answer your brain with, maybe, Maybe that client is annoying, or maybe they're not. Maybe it is a dumb question, or maybe it's not. This helps to free your mind and get you out of the loop, because judging them is really not useful, and it keeps you stuck in frustration. When you answer your brain with, maybe, your brain starts searching for evidence of why you're acting this way, or why they're being that way, because really, at our core, we all have good reasons for doing and saying things. So when you answer back with maybe, and you start to search for other ideas, you can become open to the possibility that, okay, maybe this client does have a good reason for calling again. Or maybe I do have a good reason to delegate this to somebody else. Now, the most common objection I receive here is that you're going to say, but Amy, I do think this. I really do think this client is annoying and dumb. And my friend, you know what I love about this? It's just more opportunity for you to practice answering your own brain. Yes, your brain is going to offer you all of these thoughts. Think of it like brain chatter. Your brain is just chattering at you. 
Like those annoying scrolling messages at the bottom of the news screen when you're trying to pay attention to what the person is saying, but there's all this other unrelated info scrolling along the bottom. And the reason you keep seeing the same thoughts scroll by is because that is what you have programmed your brain to offer you. Your brain is fucking lazy, and it loves to offer you thoughts that you have already thought before. But you can develop a new skill, which is what you're practicing in stage two. The skill of managing your mind. And one great way to do that is just by answering it. So when your brain is offering you that your assistant is just so useless and she didn't even get the ear cytology started and she's so incompetent, just answer with maybe. And you'll start to see how you're not just at the effect of that thought anymore. You open up a dialogue with yourself which is an amazing way to manage your mind and redirect your brain to where you want it to go. Another helpful tool for stage two is to pretend that you're telling your story to a trusted friend and imagine what you would want your friend to say to you about it. Most of us don't want our friend to just tell us, well, you should just change your thought. If that's the kind of support they kept giving you, you'd probably find another friend. But this is what we do to ourselves all the time, which is why we get so disconnected from ourselves. What you actually want from your friend is for them to acknowledge you, to tell you, yeah, I can totally see how that would upset you. And the magical part about this is that your friend would likely also offer you some optimism, which may sound like, I bet they didn't mean it that way. Maybe they were just overwhelmed or struggling, or forgot. The takeaway here is, try to be your own best friend. Validate how you're feeling. Of course I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this for all these reasons that make sense to me. And maybe there's also something else happening here. What else could be true? You'll start to notice that not only will you start to feel less resentment towards the situation or the other person, but you'll also stop beating yourself up for thinking that way in the first place. And when you can think of your friend offering you a different perspective about the situation and being able to hear them out impartially, that's when you know that you're ready to start changing your thoughts and the way that you have been looking at it. If you still feel a lot of resistance to this idea, then you know you still need to spend more time in self-acceptance. Stage two is very uncomfortable. It's the stage everybody wants to skip, yet it's the stage where the most transformation occurs. Just practice noticing your thoughts without judgment. And just because you're still having these thoughts does not mean that you're not getting it. It just means that you're in the thick of it and you're making progress. You have to be willing to observe yourself in the situation to gain the level of awareness necessary to change your brain. What's awesome about this is that if you genuinely want to change and believe a new thought, your brain will start looking for evidence to prove that new thought true. Just like it's built a whole case to support your current thinking, it will build a whole new case for your new thought if you're open to it. So gently practice redirecting your brain in stage two and accept that it is uncomfortable. 
This will not work if you truly don't want to change your thinking, or if you do, but keep judging yourself. It has to be your choice, and it has to come from a place of compassion. And yeah, it can take some finagling to come up with a new thought that is actually believable and works for you. But this is where coaching really shines. And that is what I love helping you accomplish in the Daring DVM program. And finally, on to stage three, the stage of self-responsibility. This stage sounds boring, but it's actually the most fun. This is the stage in which you've kind of rewired your brain and you're starting to see the world differently. Unfortunately, it's not a stage you reach overnight, and it's not something that you actually notice in the moment. It's more of a gradual process. Sometimes you can have a single coaching session that completely transforms your life, and if this happens for you, that is awesome. But more often than not, transformation occurs slowly and over time, with lots of patience and lots of practice. A lot of times, you're not looking back and saying, oh wow, I'm different now, I can see all the work I've done on myself. Instead, you'll say something like, huh, my partner seems way more positive than they used to be. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. It's possible they may have changed in response to how you've changed. But really, 90% of the time what's actually happened is that you've changed your own brain and therefore changed your own experience of that circumstance. And therefore changed the result that you are getting in that relationship. Things that are tied to our identity or things that we've been believing for a long time take a while to process and to change. It doesn't often happen all in one moment where you think, I did it. I finally have it all figured out. It's much more likely you'll look back and think, oh wow, it's been a long time since we've had a really big argument. Or, wow, I haven't felt really insecure in a while. The change is often gradual, and it's important to remember that we are always going through things in life. Just because things feel better now does not mean that you will not experience discomfort in the future. That is not the goal of thought work. Life is still 50-50. The point of coaching, the goal of thought work, is to open you up to the possibility that you can handle whatever is going to happen in the future. You have self-confidence. You know how to feel negative emotion. You know how to be kind to yourself during negative emotion. You know how you can move past it if you want to. That is what changes everything. When you are living in stage three, you recognize that when you are judging another person or judging a situation, it is usually because you are in some way judging yourself. It always has everything to do with you. And this is okay. There may be some things that will always annoy you, but you can get to a place where maybe it doesn't annoy you as much or in the same way as it used to. And you can let go of the compounded negative emotion that you're creating about it because you can recognize where it's coming from and learn to be at peace with it. You can say, yeah, I don't like this, and that's okay. Sometimes you may even look back and say, 
Remember when I used to get so annoyed by that? And maybe you'll kind of laugh at it. Or maybe you'll look back at something that you wanted to stop doing, like endlessly scrolling on social media. Or something that you wanted to start doing, like exercising after work instead of immediately heading to the couch. In stage two, you were working on noticing your underlying thoughts that led you to behave in those ways. In stage three, you're still going to occasionally experience those thoughts or feel those urges, but they will become far less frequent and you'll have developed ways to navigate them and instead redirect your brain to help you take actions you want to take in those situations. And even at work, your assistants, techs, colleagues, clients, they're never going to be perfect or do things exactly how you want. But you can learn to navigate those situations in a more helpful manner and to feel more in control of yourself in those moments, instead of letting your mind run rampant with all of these negative thoughts that are causing you emotional pain. So yeah, you may always have to manage your brain around that. Life is always 50-50. And in coaching, when I'm working with a client, it is with the goal of helping them get out of resistance to their situation, learn to accept what is, learn to become self-aware, and to recognize ways in which they are responsible for their own experience in life. And then, how to enact change should they choose to. It's amazing how much more tolerable things are when you're not constantly thinking it shouldn't be that way. And it's amazing how much change you can create in your own life when you open yourself up to new possibilities. This is what empowers you to take action and to create the life that you want to live. Okay, my friends, I'll leave you with this one question. Who is your life coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. Come join me in the Daring DVM coaching program where you will receive private, one-on-one coaching with me. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast to the next level, come check it out at www.daringdvm.com forward slash coaching. I love who you are, and even more than that, I love who you are becoming. Dare to dream. Take care, and I'll be back with you all next week. If you love what you're learning in this podcast, you have to come check out the Dare to Dream coaching program. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. This is where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will up-level your life even more. It's where I help other veterinarians who are struggling, just like I once was, to create and cultivate their dream life. Helping you is my favorite thing to do, and it will change your life, I guarantee it. Come join at www.daringdvm.com. That's daringdvm.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.